Mana 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 this is social disgusting welcome to social disgusting a podcast where my guests and i discuss our lives amidst the wanton hellscape in which we find ourselves i'm brandon aka brandon hope you're well my guest is an emmy nominated editor director and writer whose work includes who is america comedy bang bang a ton of projects for tim and eric's channel five and most recently at least from a release standpoint tim heidecker's amazing comedy special an evening with tim heidecker please welcome vera drew welcome thanks brandon Thanks yes. for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. So, the very fun question, how are you? Uh, oh. <laughs> that's, that's fair. It's very fair. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, I'd say overall I'm really good. Like, this year has been obviously a challenge for me and for everybody, but this was the first year I've really gotten to see people respond to the stuff I make in the way that I've been seeing it. So in a lot of ways, I hate to say it, but this has been like the best year of my life. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But I mean, I think I was telling you before we started recording, like I feel like it's all kind of catching up with me now, like as winter sort of is settling in. I I just, I wake up very tired every day that Mm -hmm. we're still uh, in the middle of this Fucking nightmare pandemic. I mean, thank God the election's over. No shit. Because uh, that was like, <laughs> that was a whole other nightmare on top of everything. But I always equate it in my head to like, it's it's this mental vice grip that's just tightening more and more and more. And you just don't know when it's going to end. Professional athletes can prepare to run marathons. But what if you're in the middle of the marathon and you don't know where the end is? To put it, It's all so much. It's all just so much. You know... I think that's why, in a lot of ways, I'm lucky, because, like, I've had such a difficult life. (laughs) So, like, I, and, like, that, what you described of, like, not knowing when, like, an uncomfortable situation is going to end or, like, when some bit of suffering is going to end is, like, something that, like, I've kind of, I've been going through that on and off one form or another for, like, 30, almost 32 years at this point. So, like, it's weird. Like, when the trans, or when the, when the transition, when the fucking, when the pandemic started, my therapist at the time was like, how are you doing and all this? And it was like, it's kind of nice being able to, like, be paranoid and upset and anxious over something that is tangible and that everybody else is, you know, also panicking about because, you know, up until that point, I was kind of used to going through my own personal uh, pandemics. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) It's weird because it is this unfathomable thing, but we're all in it together, question mark? I don't know. Well, and I think it's, I think what's, I think what's been, um, frustrating about that of what what you just said the we're all in it together thing is like I feel like it's you know like I I'm heavily I've been in therapy for a very long time I'm a total advocate for therapy and in any in any form like whether it's like doing witchy stuff or talking to somebody once a week or once a month or just going for a walk like I am a firm believer and advocate for self-care and taking care of yourself and looking out for people absolutely and i think one of the most 
heartbreaking things for me really watch I mean apart from the fact that like I think this pandemic is really highlighting how little Americans actually care for the sick and the people like our most vulnerable people in our society apart from that massive tragedy that has been going on for nearly a year and will continue to go on until we have a vaccine I think this sort of like weird corporatization of we're all in this together and like seeing like fucking Target like talk about self-care and their ads and stuff is like oh it, it, it like it hurts me more than any of the other dystopian stuff that we're bombarded I, no I, I yeah and of course it was we're all in together and that we're all enduring it we're all enduring a thing while it's also really highlighting the deep chasm of of, of divide in so many different aspects of our lives but when you talk about like the targets of the world and that cynical corporatization of a pandemic, which just saying that, like, I'm almost repulsed at just hearing the thing that I said in my own ears. It's it's reprehensible. It's so fucked up and it's infuriating. Yeah, it really is. Because, I mean, like, I... But, you know, it's also, like, it's to be expected. And and you know what I was actually... I was driving... Because um, I live in Los Angeles. I was driving into the, to the valley past... Universal Studios and which is like one of the things I miss the most to be honest like I'm kind of ashamed of how much I love Universal Studios and like City Walk like I used to go all the time like I used to go to Margaritaville all the time (laughs) I wrote I wrote like half of Hot Topics at the Margaritaville at City Walk (laughs) but I I I have a a very emotional connection with it but I, I passed like they had this big billboard that kind of spoke the language of of like what we're describing and and there was something about the billboard in seeing it like you know next to this like iconic movie studio and stuff that really got me thinking about like what it must have been like during like world war ii and like the great depression stuff like i imagine like leftists and progressives and just i mean forget like the like the political side of it just people who like are (laughs) empty shells like i'm sure it was very annoying for them you know, hearing about like freedom gardens and like our responsibility to like ration at home and stuff. And, and, you know, like, I'm sure it was like the same shit. (laughs) It's just now we have the language of self-care to kind of apply to it. I do think about that a lot. You know, that's that I feel like generationally, you're probably far more accurate to assume that your generation's enduring the same shit as any other in some, in just different forms than not. You know, granted, you have unique experiences, obviously, and we have the internet, and that's something that the previous generations ever had. But it's all it's all the same shit, I think. You know, not to yeah. minimize it by any stretch, but nothing's wholly unique to our generation or a generation. And I think it's a lot easier to kind of endure it on some level when you think that way as opposed to just thinking like, this is the worst time in history and this is the world's against us. And maybe that's just me being naively optimistic. No, I mean, I think that's the, like, healthy way of approaching it. And, and I mean, it's like I said before, like, I mean, like, I've made peace with the fact that this has been, like, kind of my most, it's definitely not been my most, like, financially successful career, but, like, from a, like, it's been probably the best year of my career, yeah. but a very challenging year in a lot of other ways. But, like, it's still not been the worst year of my life. Like, I've, you know, like, I've had, I've, faced things that were way worse than like I mean like than how the pandemic is actually affecting me yeah and I mean 
it's kind of it you know it's I mean it sucks because like I mean like I'm still you know I'm still in therapy I still have like a lot of stuff that I need to work through like because of those experiences but like they really did prepare me for something like this and not in the sense of like oh like I am like impervious to feeling the pain of being in a shitty situation it's just like I think it's just like I've seen tough before like things are tough but I've seen tough before and I've gotten through it and it's hokey and cheesy and has been said by some of the most annoying or worst people of all time but like it really like the whole like day at a time thing it's true though so true and it's it's because like our brains are not our brains need to be reminded that whatever we're feeling isn't going to last forever it's just it's just a it's just fucking science like it doesn't make you weak or stupid if you're constantly having to kind of psych yourself up because like our ego our ego does that to protect us like if we're uncomfortable our ego is going to do everything to tell us that we're uncomfortable and that we need to do something and it's going to make it seem like you've always felt this way and yeah i mean like i think i don't know like i really the value of a day at a time. I mean, like, and sometimes, like, it, it literally has to be a minute at a time, <laughs> you know? I know exactly what you mean. Like, um, the way I see, like, therapy and through the prism of kind of helping me process the day-to-day of this and the minute-to-minute of all of this is just that I kind of see it as it's given me the mental infrastructure to be able to handle this, process it, and figure out how to, as best I can, get out of my own way and don't become self-destructive. Because this is a very, this is very much in so many different ways, the perfect storm of me being self-destructive if I didn't have that kind of prism through which to process this. Oh, totally, yeah. Yeah. It's fucked because, like, I never want to frame the pandemic as, like, a gift because... Yes, yeah. But, like, it, it kind of... And of course, like, my friends, I'm friends with this sketch group called Loose Meat. And like when the <laughs> pandemic started, pretty much every day they just kept tweeting, what if we are the virus? <laughs> and um, and uh, I mean, like, you know, they were being like little shitheads by tweeting that. But like, it really is true. It really is like, it really does feel like it was just like, this was like all, it was all kind of building towards something like this. And like... Yeah. Because, and that's, you know, the good news that's come out of this is, like, I think this has radicalized a lot of people, for better or worse, but, like, I think mostly for better. Like, I think a lot of people, I mean, just even, like, the fact, like, I mean, like, this is, this is kind of, I'm very fortunate in that I have never, prior to this year, apart from when I was, when I first moved to L.A., this year was the first time I ever had to do unemployment. This was the first year I ever had to, like, really try to navigate my way through government aid or anything like that. And like, it kind of, you know, like I've, I've been a leftist for as long as I've had sentience uh, and common (laughs) sense. But like, I think this year and like going through that experience kind of, I mean, like it's such a small thing, but it really just made me realize like, I'm fucking really lucky. And there are so many people that don't have what I have, don't have, haven't, weren't, you know, like I have my own shit that I have to deal with, like as like a as a trans woman or whatever. But like, yeah. it's like on this like pyramid of privilege that it just became very obvious to me that like I can't make any sort of like universal declaration about the human experience because it is so fractured, and there are just so many people that aren't getting the care 
that they need. And I think a lot of people are realizing that in 2020. Yeah, I think that if if this isn't giving you some semblance of perspective this year, I, I don't I don't know what the fuck will. Yeah. I mean, really, you know, like it's so in your face on every conceivable level and just like an assault on somebody on all of the sentences that even like the least aware people, I don't know how you can't figure it out this year. And if you can't, then more power to you. I don't know. I got nothing. I know that's like not in any way empathetic, but I just I just don't know. It's well, all it's, everything is just so much. But you can't you can't burn calories over I mean like that's why like I don't I don't like I mean I pick fights online constantly. Like part of my Twitter presence is admittedly very toxic. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I uh like if somebody cuz it, you know, I people will pick apart, especially during the election, people would pick apart anything I said that was like remotely critical of like Democrats as being somehow for Trump, which is so the idea that I could be for Trump is just so laughable to me. Um, yeah. But like, like I work for fucking Tim Heidecker. <laughs> like, I mean, like, like imagine anybody being pro Trump and just working for for Tim and Eric like it just doesn't uh, it's absurd doesn't track but uh, like, yeah, at all but I don't you know like you know with with how much like shit I like in mud I like to roll in on online like I don't go looking to change you know like I don't go looking to change like transphobic people's minds or like even Trump voters minds because like you know you can be empathetic and care about people sure. um but there are some people that also there are people that that I mean, never mind the fact that they don't want to share a bathroom with me. They want me fucking dead. <laughs> like they would rather me be dead. So like, why should I burn any calories trying to make them see why that is not okay? Why it is yeah. not okay to hate somebody just because of their identity? Like that's something we all should have learned in first grade. Empathy goes both ways. Exactly. I don't know how to transition to this. So I'm just going to uh, point it out, point it out, and then transition to it. This is a lighter note, but is there a perfect egg sandwich? Or <laughs> does the extremely pliable nature of the egg allow for unlimited exploration? Well, I think, you know, I think, um, I think egg sandwiches, much like spirituality, like <laughs> if you try to put it in a box, it's going to be used for the wrong reasons. Are you I saying you might get egg on your face? That's, yeah, no, I think, I mean, I, I, I'm not very good with metaphors, uh, <laughs> but I would, I would say so. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, I think, I think an egg sandwich, it, it, it should be both ever expansive and, and every single one should be a unique snowflake, but at the same time, it should be just elegantly simple in its presentation. So in some ways, the egg sandwich is like the universe. It's Yeah, it's the microcosm of the macrocosm. <laughs> so really, it is on topic to what we were talking about in a lot of ways. That's perfect. That, <laughs> I could never have done that. So thank you for bringing that around to like, in some ways, we were always talking about egg sandwiches. So yeah. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah, in every way. I mean, in a lot of ways, it's so funny because like... Like, I've only recently been public about how often I eat, like, egg sandwiches. And, like, I eat egg sandwiches just about every day. I don't tweet about them every day just yeah. because that would be uh, just annoying. And, and, and that, like, if people, if people actually knew, like, the, like, it's so wild having, like, 
16 year old trans kids look up to me because <laughs> like it's like if you only knew how disgusting and and like like just I'm just surrounded by egg sandwiches and like raw red meat constantly and 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 I'm, I'm often very sweaty. It's all it's all kind of the same thing. It's just that it's just that very true and lifestyle. <laughs> eggs and meat, yeah. Eggs, meat, and sweat. Yep. The Vera Drew story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I do want to ask about editing, which is something I know you've never been asked before. But uh, <laughs> with editing, though, because you've done just in terms of the types of things you've edited from, you know, a comedy special to a, a sketch show in Comedy Bang Bang and a lot of just like things you have to find in the editing room, although I guess in some ways or maybe every way, that's just what you're doing anyway. But when you're approaching a project I guess I'm asking process, which is not very fun. Do you just like figure out what are my goals here? What What are you doing when you're approaching a project, I guess? When I'm approaching a project as an editor, it it's... I don't mind answering questions about process, to be honest, which I think, I think like, I think anytime people like are annoyed by that, they're putting on a show because every artist I know actually really loves talking about themselves. Uh, (laughs) So, I mean, like, I think if you had asked me that at other points in my career, I would actually probably have a very different answer than, than where I'm at now. I mean, like where I'm at now is like, I, I really... I used to really kind of approach things as like very contingent on like whatever the show was. Mm-hmm. Like there was a very big stark difference between editing Comedy Bang Bang for two years <laughs> and editing yeah. Who is America for nearly two years. It was very, very different process and, you know, um, in tone. But I think after after I worked on Who is America, because I mean, like I was I was brought onto that show as an editor, but I like to think that I was brought onto that show as an editor because I'm an editor that I I was brought onto that show because I I'm not really an editor. I'm I'm a writer that uses editing software, and I'm a director that uses editing software. And I think working on that, it was kind of my first time really getting a sense that the editing that I do is very specific. And even though I've worked on a wide variety of of different types of of alternative comedy, there is a through line and it is in the approach is always kind of the same, I think, because because of that through line. I mean, like, I never I always like to qualify this with like every show I've worked on has had some of the best writers ever. I mean, like, that's why I've worked on some of the funniest shows of all time. But like, you know, you hit the nail on the head, like a lot of story is discovered in the editing bay. And, and you know, like, I think I think in heavily scripted feature films, a lot of stories discovered in the editing bay, but but not in the way that like, you know, like craft punk is, you know, like, yeah, like it's less like flexibility that. there than others, right. other forms, no doubt. And I mean, like, I think, you know, and I, I feel like I answered this pretty generally, but I mean, like, as far as like real specifics go, like I take so many notes, like I, I take, it's, it's annoying. It annoys, I like literally actually lost jobs over this, but like I take handwritten notes while I watch footage and that is how I make a lot of my decisions. I kind of edit on paper before I go into the actual project. And a lot of that came, I think, from working with with Sasha Baron Cohen I had, I had a question about him in a way but it's more of a he I know you said before that he knows what he wants there's flexibility there absolutely and can be and is very collaborative 
but also like has a clear vision in his head about what he's going for. And I don't use this word lightly at all, but I do think that like Tim and Eric and Sasha Baron Cohen, I think I think they're geniuses. Yeah, I agree. Really believe that. It's incredible that you've had that experience of working with two very different comedic sets, seemingly like incredibly different, uh, at least maybe just stylistically. But I don't know what I was going for, really, honestly. I can't imagine what that is to work with one, let alone both in your career, and you have so much more runway left in your career. Is that just like you're just letting it all sink in at that point when you're working with these people that just know what they want? I don't know. I got nothing. I don't. I don't know. They're <laughs> no, unbelievable. No, no. These are people that are incredibly influential to me, just as a viewer. So I can't yeah. imagine. Well, you know, I mean, so it's weird because I have a very. I don't really get starstruck that much, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, like I don't think I ever really did. Tim, I mean, I really, really look up to Tim Heidecker a lot, and he's kind of been. I mean, like from like pretty much I associate my entire career with him because I have been working with him on and off or with him and for him on and off since I moved out here and started working in the industry. So like the mystique of like working with somebody as talented as him from like a a sort of like, oh, my God, I'm working with one of, you know, like like that kind of went away. But I mean... I'm still, I still look up to him constantly. I still run pretty much any creative decision I'm a, like any major big creative decision I'm about to make still kind of goes to him because I think he's the smartest comedy person alive, probably the funniest person. Uh, like, yeah. I mean, like it's, you know, I think like to that level, it never really, what you're describing never really goes away. I think Sasha was the first time I had a boss where I was very starstruck. And that was largely because he was a major influence. Like, I mean, Tim and Eric were a huge influence on my life, but like, I didn't really, I didn't discover them until college and, and really like their function as like being an influence on my life and art was kind of making me realize. Cause like I, like a long story for a whole other day, but like I was, I was headed on a track of basically becoming just an experimental filmmaker in college. Like that was kind of as high as my sights were set. And then I remember very specifically seeing, I don't, I, pretty sure it was the abstinence sketch that the hot dogs and shit that made me see like oh i can actually do all the experimental stuff i'm doing professionally in a comedic context like i can just you know like move into like kind of a horror comedy space like they really were an influence in that way and like in a way like that's kind of the biggest influence on where i want to take my art in general but that didn't come to me until I was 18 or 19. Sasha, I mean, like, I was watching Ali G show when I was a kid. Yeah. And, like, Sasha was the first adult comedian that I saw on television that was pointing out that it was wrong to make fun of gay people or that it was wrong to not not make fun of gay people. In fact, he actually, I think, showed us that we can and should. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he showed it that, like, homophobia was this, like, 
part of America's dark heart during a time where nobody else was. So he's he was like legitimately my hero like when I was 14. So like showing up on on that first day of working with him, I was literally shaking and and he could see that I was very nervous and and thankfully a lot of people get nervous around him and he's very good at disarming people in that regard. And 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 you know, it's also he's He's very tall. He's a tall... I was going to say, he's, he's very... He's a formidable human. Yeah. Not just not just cerebrally, but physically. He's gigantic. He's, a he's gigantic. an intimidating physical presence. Yeah. But, but to your point, like I can imagine, he just seems also incredibly charming. And that, I imagine, is so like, oh, thank God, if you're you know in that position. He is just one of the... Like, one of the all-time best humans yeah like i i genuinely i genuinely i genuinely really just like him as a person i mean like i i didn't you know like we didn't be, we're not friends like we don't really t- we t- we i think we talk via email about once a year like i told him i was making a joker movie uh <laughs> like i think that was <laughs> the last time we spoke and his exact quote was look it's a great idea but you will get sued (laughs) so i'm gonna put that on the vhs box but um (laughs) and he would know lawsuits so yeah definitely (laughs) he's had a lot of experience with that but yeah i mean he he is like he is very charming and and i think you know i haven't talked i haven't talked about this that much because i have to be careful about how i talked about talk about that show because like i signed a ton of non-disclosure agreements like they you know nobody from that show is going to listen to this but uh like they were i did a ton of uh press when i was nominated for an emmy and i know for a fact that i don't know that he was upset by that but i know a lot of his people were weirded out by the fact that i was suddenly doing interviews about the show but i was largely doing that just because i had just come out as trans i had just legally changed my name and i wanted to make myself more googleable <laughs> <laughs> um, so I just really uh, used that the show as, as sort of that. So like, I mean, it's tough to talk about. But one thing I haven't really said said before publicly is I think part of the reason why that show, why I was on that show, because I was on that show from test shoots through, which started literally two years before the show aired. Um, I was on the early test shoots through us locking the show. And I think that was largely because I mean I I'm a talented editor like I I think I'm I'm probably one of the best editors I've ever met. Uh, hmm. <laughs> but like I think it's also because like I got comfortable around him. I got comfortable telling him when I didn't think something was funny. I didn't really kiss his ass that way. <laughs> and I think part of that too was also maybe a little disarming for him cuz I was like one of the younger people on the show too. But like I think he valued that and that largely came from working with, you know, two of my heroes, Tim and Eric. Like yeah. it was like like I just knew by now at at that point like I think I had kind of realized like when you're working with people like this, like geniuses, they don't want you to just tell them they're perfect all the time they like they actually don't they really want they want their project to be perfect so if you have constructive criticism or you tell some tell them something isn't funny or you give them a note like they're appreciative of it generally like they can tell you you're fucking wrong but you know (laughs) it's kind of ironically egoless in that regard yeah you know which i mean makes sense and it helps to know what you don't know well and you know I think 
the thing that I've really gained from working with like those guys in and um and Eric Andre and Nathan Fielder and all that stuff is like God damn. That's really yeah. <laughs> really an Ackerman. I just gotta get him in there in yeah. case because he might actually listen. <laughs> Hi Scott. <laughs> Scott told me something really ominous once because, like, I had just come out as trans, and I, I sent him I sent him an email about something else, and I was like, "Hey, uh, just so you know, I'm Vera, but I used to be called this." And he wrote back, "Oh, I know. I keep an eye on all my children." <laughs> so, <laughs> I was very wary, um, but uh, and I also said once that Birthday Boys was my favorite sketch show I ever worked on, and he quickly subtweeted me, uh, so I had to. <laughs> oh, baby! Good lord. But um, the thing I learned from like all of them, because like I mean, you know, like I, editing wasn't editing wasn't really something that I set. It wasn't the end goal for me, and it still definitely isn't. It's where I've made my living for like the last decade, and and I've learned everything I know about filmmaking and making television for that. But like I mean, I want to write and direct and this year has kind of also shown me that I want to act, which I'm so embarrassed about. Um, but, um, and uh, it's hard. It's hard doing those things, especially, you know, like as like, I never want to sound complainy because again, like I've had a very fortunate life, but like, it's really fucking hard to become a writer and a director when a, you're a girl, when a, you're a, a gay girl and would you know you're a, a gay trans girl and you want to make like the weirdest shit on the planet yeah. it's kind of it's like i'm i'm trying on some level to change the media landscape and and the way people view stuff with my work like like there's no way around it like it it's just what it is and i have to remind myself that because it's frustrating sometimes when i don't feel like a project gets the attention it should or or you know like a video didn't go viral or like stuff like that like i have to remind myself that like you know i'm trying to get to that like nathan ackerman heidecker level where you know like that's where i'm trying to go and hopefully i get there but like it's you know to quote coldplay no one said it was easy or uh <laughs> no one said yeah no what that's the line <laughs> to quote Coldplay, scientists. Yes, right? yeah. <laughs> it's funny, you know, saying Tim and Eric and Sasha Baron Cohen, but then also it's just like, oh, and Eric Andre and Nathan Fielder and Scott Ackerman. What a top, what a five, what a creative top five right there of people. Yeah, like, I, I've been really. I mean, like it's it's um, it's it's crazy too because it's like some of those names I consider them like you know just bosses but then there's there's like i mean like i said like tim's like like i kind of run everything by him like and, and like like they're my mentors like yeah scott and nathan donated money to my movie like like there's like it's like it's it's like not you know they helped me like signal boost it when i was crowdsourcing the creative roles on it and stuff like it, it's it's um to have one of those people in your corner yeah, and to have all them, of them that's yeah wild. it's really cra- and like it's not lost on me like it's yeah. not it's really not lost on me how crazy lucky i am and how i mean like because like i worked really hard too but like it, it really is it does feel like i was kind of in the right place at the right time and i want people to also recognize the fact that even with all that i'm still capable of being a miserable lonely bitch 
like on a regular basis. <laughs> so, you know, don't, don't think like, I don't know, because I think like in my 20s, I was very much, I put everything into my career and I'm glad I did because I am where I'm at. But like, it's not everything. It's really yeah. it, like you got to find, at least make the art fulfilling. And um, Michael Jordan seems fucking miserable. Oh, yeah. He seems miserable. He really is. (laughs) This is, I mean, I think I've, I don't know who I'm stealing this joke from, but it just, for me, rings true. Like, I feel like, I feel like if, like, thank God basketball exists, because, like, Michael Jordan, I think in any other circumstance, probably would have become, like, either a dictator (laughs) or, like, or, like, like an actual, like, sociopathic killer. We know his middle name because of how... (laughs) Ubiquitous is Michael Jeffrey Jordan, but we would know him as Michael Jeffrey Jordan if it weren't for basketball or athletics. Yes. Yeah, yeah. There's a reason Michael Jordan ha- usually has a Hitler mustache. Everybody's just like, they're fine with it, pretty much. It's just kind of like, yeah, Hitler mustache. Jordan on on a Fruit of the Loom commercial. Or is it Haynes? Maybe it was Haynes. I think it was Haynes. Okay, fair enough. Here's the other thing, too, though, in terms of the thank God for sports with him. It also was allowed to happen because people were too scared on set to tell him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, <laughs> yeah, like, what are you going to... It's, yeah, thank God for basketball. And thank God for, you know, like, I talk so much shit about comedy just because I do think it's... I think, like, most of it is really bad. And should go away. Yeah, <laughs> I think most, and I think most comedians who like have public platforms, I think there's a large number of them that don't deserve any any recognition or credit. Uh, and I don't. That's not coming from a place of of jealousy. It is coming from a place of having incredibly good taste and knowing good comedy. Yeah, but I will say. Thank God for comedy because, I mean, like, comedians are, like, the most fucking horrible people I've ever met. (laughs) Like, where would all of, where would all of these fucking lunatics go if they couldn't just go up on stage and make a Tinder joke, you know? Like, thank God. Thank God for that outlet, yeah. I I will say just as a a big comedy fan that it is funny just to see the juxtaposition of who's taking comedy so seriously while knowing what their jokes are. Like, that juxtaposition is truly wild to me. Yeah, especially when it's like, I don't know, like, I mean, like, I like to think, you know, like, like, (laughs) you know, like, the stuff that I make, I put a lot of thought into it, you know, and like, like, I mean, I think like Beef House is like, you know, like, really funny, but like, I think we directed like a really good show like i think there's a craft to it that we took seriously and and all that stuff but we're not you know we're not like going on we're not like just constantly jerking off onto ourselves and like (laughs) acting like we somehow cured cancer by making you laugh for 11 minutes and 15 seconds like well it's like the the irony to me of like being a comedian but not seeming to understand to get the the cosmic joke of it all well and and you know like recognizing that I think for a lot of people, I mean, there are there are some comedians who are uh, very well adjusted and not and not crazy, but like that's a lie, actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I mean, like, I think I think the th- through line with a lot of the people I know is like 
comedy does kind of come from a place of like there usually is like a prerequisite of pain or discomfort or being marginalized in some way like I don't think I really would have ended up in comedy had I not been such like a miserable gay weirdo <laughs> like you know <laughs> yeah. so like and I think that's also why you know the Bill Burrs and the Dave Chappelle's of the world act like they're Jesus fucking Christ on the cross yeah it is like you know it is like it it is a career and it is there's a lot of misery in it on the path to get to where you want to go and 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 even just while even once you get to where you want to go, you then have to deal with a, a new a whole new batch of misery like that that <laughs> yeah. you didn't know existed before. So it's it's I understand why those two idiots that I mentioned are the way they are, and and conversely, like why like a lot of people like them are are the way they are. Yeah, definitely, I can see how they or a lot of people too how they get to where they get psychologically. I suppose in those cases, while in no way subscribing to it, like. Kind of understanding, yeah, the origin uh, of it, which is, yeah, that's that's for a psychiatrist to unpack. I can't, I can't imagine, uh, to yeah. put it lightly. But yeah, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. But is there anything you want to plug before we wrap it up? Yeah, you can follow me at viradrew twenty two on Instagram and on Twitter. I'm not on Facebook, and neither should any of you be. No. I mean, really, we shouldn't be on Twitter either, but, like, that's just where most of my following is, so. Oh, well. Um, (laughs) uh, And uh, I am making my first feature film. It's called The People's Joker. It's an illegal comic book movie. I'm playing a character called The Joker, whose arch nemesis is a character called Batman. And we just finished shooting uh, the majority of it, and now I'm in post-production on it. That'll hopefully be coming out in the spring. But if you want to follow the project, you know, follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or visit thepeoplesjoker.com. We still have a GoFundMe. I could still use any financial help you want to want to give. There's a lot of great places your money could go right now. So if you don't want to donate to uh, a legal comic book movie, I won't <laughs> blame you. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you can go there. Um, and and also like I opened up the creative process to anybody else that wants to participate because I I want it to be a big wild weird colorful ride and there's already 200 incredibly talented artists working on it and uh if you want to join in on the fun if you're an artist or musician or animator or actor hop aboard that's awesome i'm really i'm really excited to watch it so spring for that and i'll link to the gofundme and to the different accounts thank you associated with it when this episode comes out but yeah just thank you again for your time this is a lot of Thanks fun i really enjoyed on. it Absolutely. I love talking about myself. (laughs) Thank you all for listening. Please wear a mask. Please stay safe. Thank you all, and goodbye.